1: Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Hello. Hello.
2: Welcome to another special episode of Seriously. This week we're going to be talking all about awards, the Oscars, the BAFTAs, basically the entire film awards season that we have in February.
1: Yeah, so the Oscars aren't until the end of the month, but we thought it was really worth properly getting into some of the conversation that's happening in the run-up to them and the thing that's really been making headlines recently is this row about diversity
2: so this is mainly an issue of race yeah isn't it it's about the fact that basically black actors black directors black filmmakers as a whole have been massively overlooked this year at the oscars as two white women we're not going to come up with you know <laughs> any great solutions or like really insightful points about this whole debate but you just have to talk about it because it is such a big thing. So loads of people have been boycotting the yeah. Oscars ceremony, haven't they? So Will Smith, I know, has definitely. Other people have too. Mark
1: Ruffalo's talked about it. I don't know if he's actually going to or not. Yeah, don't talk um, about it unless you're going to yeah. do it, <laughs> um, Chris Rock has, because I think there was, he's hosting this year, there was some discussion about whether he would still do it. But yeah. I, I saw a statement from his agent saying that, like, yeah, Chris is definitely doing it, but he is going to talk about it.
2: Yeah, and there was a story going around that he'd had to rewrite his entire speech, but then his PR people denied that. So it was obviously a really difficult thing because you want someone like Chris Rock to be hosting the Oscars. You just do. If people aren't going to get nominated for films, then you at least want some black voices in the actual ceremony. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you don't want it to feel like a cheat where they've just been like, but Chris Rock's hosting it, so there's not a problem. Yeah. So it's like a really tricky thing to navigate. But what the last couple of weeks have revealed is that like actors need to keep their mouths shut, especially the white ones, right? Like there have been some really embarrassing comments, some from some of our favourite people, which is really sad. Our faves are problematic forever. Specifically, Charlotte Rampling. So uh, if you have been living in a hole and have managed to miss Charlotte Rampling's comments, what she said was in response to a question about whether she agreed that there was a diversity problem at the Oscars. It is racist to whites. One can never really know, but perhaps the black actors did not deserve to make the final list. Why classify people? These days, everyone is more or less accepted. People will always say, him, he's too handsome. Him, he's too black which is, what are you talking about? No one says that. <laughs> he is too white. Ugh. Ditto. Someone will always be saying, you are too this or that, but do we have to take from this that there should be lots of minorities everywhere? It just gets worse, doesn't yeah. it, as it goes on. And then apparently the interviewer explains that black members of the film industry feel like a minority, rampling replies, no comment. So, I mean, it is racist to whites are five words you never want to hear. And yet somehow I feel like it gets worse as it goes it along. It does, that like quote- that-
1: Big two black as well, that's not good.
2: Yeah, and do we think there should be lots of minorities everywhere is a real, it sounds like a quite fearful quote, like, yeah. ooh, lots of minorities everywhere, really? How grim.
1: So we should point out that Rampling has since clarified this comment mm. in one of those slightly non-apology apologies you know I'm sorry if you were offended rather than I'm actually sorry the headline on the story I'm reading from is I regret that Oscar's racism comment was misinterpreted Mm. so mm,
2: that's not saying you regret saying it though is it (laughs) also that is so hard to misinterpret I know
1: (laughs) so her, her clarification was I regret that my comments could have been misinterpreted I simply meant to say that in an ideal world, every performance will be given equal opportunities for consideration. Diversity in our industry is an important issue and that needs to be addressed.
2: Yeah, which is the exact opposite of what she says. So it's very, very confusing clarification there.
1: Yes, exactly. Firstly, just to sort of get off our chests, I'm so annoyed with Charlotte Rampling. Mm -hmm, So sad. She is someone who previously I'd kind of looked up to as a like awesome older lady actor who didn't Mm -hmm. take any shit, and now I feel like. I can't do that anymore. But that kind of speaks to your point just now that actors shouldn't speak.
2: They are their worst PR almost invariably. So someone who most people that I sort of know and follow in like left-wing media absolutely love Kristen Stewart. She's become a bit of an icon for so many gay women. And it's so funny that when she came into this debate she managed to just like destroy that image of her that people have it's obviously yeah. something people project a lot onto, like that as with all celebrities you project the idea and the personality that you'd like them to have onto them and Kristen Stewart's really been one of those and her comments messed that up though she was in a particularly difficult situation where it seemed like they tried to make out her comments were about race when actually they were about gender which makes yeah. them much less bad in in my view, but she's basically said instead of sitting around and complaining about that, i.e. the lack of, I think women directors, not yes, that's what she directors. was referring to. They
1: have clarified. Yeah,
2: do something, go write something, go do something for yourself, and that's easy to say. It's hard to get movies made. It's a huge luxury. Like who gets to just make movies? And you're like well, you, Kristen Stewart, which is why you don't really get it. Yeah, <laughs> but the subject is just so prevalently everywhere right now, and it's boring. Obviously, it's a luxury to be bored by these issues rather yeah. than to be bored by not seeing yourself on, on and screen. I,
1: th- I think a lot of... So let's just particularly tackle that since she was, it turns out, talking about women in the film industry. Women in the film industry would not feel bored. Mm. <laughs> you know, Catherine Bigelow only just won Best Director, mm. you know, despite being in the industry for decades. You know, it. I do think gender is kind of less... feels less urgent... Because the Academy and most awards have specifically mandated sections for acting for men and women.
2: Mm-hmm. That's so
1: true. I think if we still had, if we had the situation where it was just like best actor in a film, male or female, we'd probably be in a similar position as we are with race. Yeah. Just because that's Maybe. what default patriarchy does. As it happens, we don't have that situation. And so women are kind of equally represented on the acting front, you can see a glimpse of what it would be like in the other nominations for like director and, you know, cinematographer and stuff, where
2: women very rarely make a showing. But I do think it's easier for white people to be like, I'm gonna make this film about yeah. people and it just be white people. Where yeah. it's actually quite difficult to make a film about life and to only have men in it. Even yeah. if the women are in stereotyped roles or whatever, you just by the necessity of plot most of the time are gonna have to have women there in a way that a lot of white filmmakers are able to not do with yeah. race and are able yeah, to just exactly. have white people in so i think that's part of it as well female directors for me feels slightly less urgent than race as well because we know that there are a lot of sort of very privileged women out there who are able to make films and like have connections and stuff so like people like Sofia Coppola like i don't mean yeah. to discredit any of her work because i think she's a great filmmaker but we have those women out there who we can we can imagine maybe haven't had to fight as hard as some of the black women directors out yes, there. Yes, exactly. Who, like Ava DuVernay or whoever, who have had to really push to get their films made at all. So, bit of a mess. The one person that I did really like speaking about this was Danny DeVito. <laughs> and, like, I think... Basically, this whole thing is ridiculous. I hate, I think it's lazy journalism the way journalists just ask every actor out there, like, what do you think about this? Yeah. And one of our, like, favourite people ever, Tavi Gevinson, spoke really well about this in relation to feminism, how, like, every female celebrity gets asked what her feminism is in an interview, and it's really annoying, because although celebrities are interesting and stuff, they shouldn't be our, like, political idols, ever. Oh, exactly. So it's a bit weird. But anyway, even within that framework, Danny DeVito managed to say something quite good, which was... It's unfortunate the entire country is a racist country. (laughs) So this is one example of the fact that even though some people have given great performances in movies, they weren't even thought about. We are living in a country that discriminates and has certain racial tendencies, racist tendencies. So sometimes it manifests in things like this and is illuminated. But generally speaking, we're a bunch of racists. (laughs) Which is like... Okay, good. Like, obviously, you're Danny DeVito, you're not going to solve racism, like...
1: But you can at least point it out when you see it. But you can at least yeah. say, yeah,
2: of course, the racism is there and not deny it and make life even more difficult for the people trying to get their work recognised. And what I particularly like about that as well is that
1: he's he's moving the conversation on to something bigger. He's saying that the whole country, the whole system is stacked in favour Of white people Mm -hmm. the Oscars is just an unimportant symptom Mm -hmm. of that there are you know there are a lot of other things you know healthcare politics all these other like vital things for people's lives that are affected by this too um
2: yeah it's a prism that people are interested in and so it's a good way to shine light on these wider structural issues without being like the Oscars are the most important thing in in the film industry or anything like that
1: and that that I think is is a really good way of thinking about it that um it it matters that only white people got nominated yeah. this year because that means, well, it's just a way, another yet another way of saying that only those experiences matter. Mm-hmm. Steve McQueen, who is still the only black director to win Best Picture at the Oscars, that's
2: crazy, which is it?
1: crazy, said something sort of related, I think, to what Danny DeVito said, saying that he he hopes that will be able to look back at this and say it was a watershed moment. Mm -hmm. And he says, this is exactly like MTV was in the 1980s. Could you imagine now if MTV only showed music videos by a majority of white people, then after 11 o'clock it showed a majority of black people? Could you imagine that happening now? It's the same situation happening in movies. Yeah, he's saying that now that to us would look totally absurd. And hopefully, from the vantage point of a decade or more, this will look completely ridiculous
2: oh my god we can only hope we can
1: only hope that that will be
2: the case yeah i mean and i'm hoping that you know as more work gets recognized by people like steve mcqueen the academy is slowly going to be made up of more people like that but it's just so frustrating because it already feels like we're so far behind and it doesn't seem to be progressing i mean one of the main things people have said is that actually the oscars were doing much better in terms of race sort of in the late 90s Than than they are now, which is just so weird because we it feels like for the average ordinary person that I know anyway. Maybe this is a reflection of my bubble than more than it is the world, but seems to be so much more educated about race issues in the last ten years. So much more. Yeah,
1: again, I've no idea the extent to which that extends sort of outside of my circle, but I know what you mean. But I think. My explanation for that would be a kind of modified version of this idea that happens with gender equality as well is that there are quite a lot of statistical studies that say that once you get to a certain small but regular percentage, so I think, I know this in the context of UK politics, like once you get to about where we are now with gender equality in Parliament, which I think is about 27% of MPs are women, that feels like equality because it's so much better than it ever was. Well, of course, it's still a million miles away from mm. actual parity. It's like um, those
2: studies where you get women to speak alongside men in a room and then afterwards the men have to say who was speaking more. Yeah. And they say, if women were speaking 30% of the time, they say, oh, they were speaking 60% of yes. the time. This false idea that because it's more than you're used to, it's, it's, equal. it's equal.
1: So I think my, my reading of it would be that, you know, back when like Halle Berry was winning Oscars and stuff, mm. there was a kind of smugness followed that. It was like, oh, we've sorted that out now because, like, one black woman won an Oscar. So that's that's cool now. And thus all effort on it stopped and all self-examination on it
2: stopped. Yeah. And it's also this idea that, that winning Oscars is enough as well in yeah. another way. So it's like, yes, Lupita Nyong'o won Best Supporting Actress, but for a very specific kind of role, I mean, she played a slave. Yeah, for don't... a film about slavery. Exactly. Like, if anyone else
1: had won that, It would have been. It would make sense, of
2: course. But like, what you want, I mean, it's a bit like going back to the, I know this is boring in a way, but the Black James Bond conversation, Mm. like, it would be nice to see someone who was not white win a major award for that kind of a role that isn't based on like subordination or the idea that we have to like go through a minority's pain in order to empathise with them in any way or. You know, it's a bit... But also,
1: um, and I know um, Sarah Deiton wrote quite a good piece about this for the New Statesman back when that whole why can't Idris Elba be James Bond thing blew up last time. James Bond is not like the pinnacle of an actor's career. No, so just... I mean,
2: nobody... You'd hope that people weren't winning Oscars for James Bond anyway. But, but just
1: just saying that, you know, we will have ticked off racial diversity in yeah. British cinema when there's been a black bond. It's like, absolutely not. Ballons. So the Academy has come out and said that they're going to actively recruit more Academy members from um, non-white backgrounds. Which
2: is something the BAFTAs are already doing, in fairness to them. Exactly. I don't know to what extent that is a reality, but...
1: And that's, and, you know, that's good. That's absolutely what they should be doing. But going back to the Danny Vito thing, it's a bigger problem yeah. than just that we talked about this a couple of episodes ago when so many of the films that are designed as oscar bait are based on a true story mm. while our idea of what a true story that's worthy of making a film about is man has painful experience comma makes a face about it
2: yeah and it's also to do with the fact that we're so obsessed with biopics yes and this idea that if you do a biopic about a, about a white man from like i don't know the mid twentieth century. Automatically a good film. Yeah, and that yeah. they you can get away with not as you said before, I think you can get away with not giving them black mm. friends or whatever because oh no it doesn't reflect the time and it's like, well that Who why cares? are we only interested in this specific portion of people? Who cares? We can only hope for the future of these ceremonies, but I think also they're generally bollocks. Yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that is the caveat, isn't it? We've having just devoted quite a lot of a podcast to talking about it, my general feeling is I don't care. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So having just said that we don't care, we're going to talk a bit more about the Oscar nominations and we're going to talk a little bit more about the films that have got the most nominations. There's been a few news stories in the last week or so about which film is the front runner because The Revenant has the most nominations, right? Yeah. I think a lot of those are technical ones, but also Best Actor, Best Picture. Best Director as well, I think. Best Director. So we didn't love The Revenant.
1: I haven't seen it but I don't love it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Already I don't love it. So that seemed like the front runner and then in the last week or so the big short has actually become the bookies favourite presumably because so many more people have been betting on it to win and it's changed the odds there's been a swing.
1: Yeah it's interesting so when I went to see it I think it was sort of like the Sunday after the Oscar nominations had come out or quite soon after the film had come out and it had been Oscar nominated and the cinema was madly busy which was weird for like mid-afternoon on a Sunday.
2: I don't necessarily think, in fact, I definitely don't think that The Revenant or The Big Short are the best films that have come out of 2015. No. But I think I like the idea of The Big Short winning over The Revenant. I mean, it's interesting because it would be the first out-and-out comedy that's won Best Picture since Annie Hall in 1977. So that's just like an interesting quirk, if anything else. And I I like the idea that slightly weirder films might be rewarded because I would like to see more films that play around with structure and narrative like that film did
1: yeah and that you can tackle a very serious subject of current affairs as the big short does without having to go all like serious face about it that you can that actually may be the best way to communicate that is through humor
2: yeah Um, definitely
1: I'd like yeah I agree I'd like to see that rewarded
2: are there any more in the Best Picture novels that you particularly like? I mean, of ones we've talked about, Brooklyn's in there, Room's in there. We haven't seen Spotlight yet, but I really want to see it. And I do then... as
1: well. I mean, I liked both Room and Brooklyn, not in a kind of life-changing movie way, but in a mm. kind of, these are both really good films. I think you, you said this as well, like, I definitely reacted more to Brooklyn while watching it than has lingered with me. Yeah, like it I proper, didn't
2: stay with me that I much. I properly
1: sobbed in the cinema. Mm. I, ditto when I read the novel. Like, I really... And I can't even say exactly what plot point it was. It was the kind of cumulative weight of this girl's perspective just made me really, mm. really feel for her. But that, I don't know, I can't really articulate that in a way that says this is a good lasting film.
2: I've seen Room so recently that I don't know whether I'm actually just being, like, just still sort of in the throes of um. it a bit. But for me, that's definitely my favourite of the nominees, Mm. yeah. It affected me in a massive way. Like, I did come out of the cinema feeling a bit more like I'd understood what that situation means to somebody. And obviously, I'm not saying that I came out of it like, yep, know what it's like to be a trauma victim and a parent. Obviously, I'm not saying that that's made me feel those things, but... I did feel so much more like empathetic, weirdly, coming out of the cinema. I felt like, my God, the anxiety of being a parent is so real. I'd like to see Room yeah. win, but I don't. I think it probably won't.
1: I mean, so far as I'm good at guessing these things, I'd probably agree with that. I, yeah. I think it probably is a straight fight between The Revenant and The Big shore. Although, who knows, The Sodding Martian might win. I don't know what <laughs> the hell that's about.
2: <laughs> yeah, who knows. Actor, literally none of them inspire me at all. Eddie Redmayne for *The Danish Girl*, which I think is a travesty. Oh. I haven't even seen it. <laughs> Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs. Mm. Leo in *The Revenant* didn't do any acting in that film, so that's complete cheat. He just did hard things on camera. Matt Damon in *The Martian* and Brian Cranston in *Trumbo*, which I also haven't seen. I mean, all pretty dull from my perspective. Yeah, no. no Jacob Tremblay. No Jacob who was Tremblay. Brilliant. Beast of No Nation. Yeah, Beast of No Nation with Idris Elba. No, yeah. no nomination for him.
1: Or um, Will Smith for Concussion, I think is. The... I haven't
2: seen that. Oh my I... God, watching the trailer and seeing Will Smith do an accent is so insane. I like, know. Like you're so used to Will Smith's normal voice, and he doesn't normally do roles where he has to do yeah. an accent like that. It was
1: just like, wait. But that's the one that I, as I say, I've not seen. It. I don't think it's out in the UK yet, but I definitely have seen like commentators saying that it's really weird that. That's I'm I'm, I'm keen to see it
2: it looks interesting not least
1: because it's like a serious man film about a thing America really cares about yeah yeah
2: I think the best actress category is much stronger I can take or leave Jennifer Lawrence generally which yeah. I know I'm, a, I'm in a minority there I thought Saoirse Ronan was good in Brooklyn I'm really really see, pleased to see Brie Larson get a nomination yes definitely who I've loved in other things as well and just think she's great and uh, I mean, Kate Blanchett doesn't really need another Oscar nom under her belt, does she? But again, loved Carol. Yeah, so.
1: it feels like a broader spread of films as well and types of performance.
2: Yeah, and again, I feel really not interested by actor in a supporting role. So we've got Christian Bale in The Big Short. He was good. Yeah. Tom Hardy in The Revenant, again, like good. Haven't seen Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight. Oh, Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies. And Sylvester Stallone in Creed, which I feel like is a, more of a like, oh, we're acknowledging the fact that you've made so many of these culturally important yeah. movies, rather than a like, wow, Oscar this one winning is performance good. Yeah, from yeah. you for as a, as, you know, as a yeah. shock one. Actress in a supporting role, oh my god, it is just so white, looking through all this stuff, like every single category. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Jennifer Jason Leigh, The Hateful Eight, Rooney Mara Carroll, Rachel McAdams, Spotlight, Alicia Vikander, The Danish Girl, and Kate Winslet and Steve Jobs. I like Kate Winslet, but I didn't see that performance, but apparently her accent was like utterly insane. <laughs> Just like a crazy because the the actual human it's based on had a real weird like amalgamation of oh, several okay. different accents. I haven't seen many of the animated movies, but maybe we should make an effort to do, yeah, to do that. Yeah, I think we should actually.
1: That's that's definitely one area where i kind of use the oscars to tell me what is good because i'm right. not generally very knowledgeable about what's going on in animation so it is actually quite helpful to have like a sort of fisher price guide to what was good that year
2: yeah well i don't i haven't even heard of anomalisa
1: oh i have heard about that and i definitely think we should do it in an upcoming podcast okay it well let's really, try and really have good. a look at that
2: then boy in the world inside out which loved we love that the shawn the sheep movie which you saw didn't you
1: i also love that the shawn the sheep movie is basically like a silent film Oh, really? Because yes. they don't speak? Because they don't speak. It's really
2: interesting. Oh, that's cool. And then when Marnie was there, mm. which is not Girls, but uh, Studio Ghibli. I guess Directors, the other really big one. Um, and again, it's pretty much the same set of films. The Big Short for um, Adam McKay's directing, then George Miller for Mad Max. The Revenant, Room, Spotlight, these are all the the films up for Best Directing. Yeah, it was
1: interesting. I was listening to the Little Gold Men podcast that Mm -hmm. Slate does, which is generally about like awards and stuff, and they were saying, they had a couple of really experienced film critics on, and they were saying that it's notable that the Mad Max director even got nominated, but in the context of a conversation about why didn't Star Wars The Force Awakening really, why isn't that anywhere? I don't know. they were saying they reckon it's because the Academy's always had this thing where, like, okay, so we can, like, let one blockbuster in, but not more than one. Right. So this year's blockbuster is Mad Max.
2: Were there any people that you really wanted to see get nominated for stuff?
1: I'm sad that Tom Courtenay didn't get nominated for 45 years. Yeah, fair. I really we am. D- and
2: did you want 45 years to get a Best Picture nomination yeah. in an ideal world? I think it should. I agree with you, actually, because it's quite unusual filmmaking, and it's very emotionally impactful. Like yeah. it's- quite a trauma to see it really
1: is and like we we're saying about the films that actually kind of genuinely move you mm-hmm. that is one of the ones in the last year that has i've come back to again and again and i've kind of changed my view from i originally found it to be moving but not that upsetting whereas mm. now thinking back on it it's really sinister
2: yeah you're getting upset anew.
1: yes it's genuinely really sinister and that's that's really good filmmaking that it's still having that impact on me like months after i saw it so and i mean i know charlotte rampling's been recognized for for her part in it but it's a two-hander and it just it's a bit like jacob Tremblay not getting nominated for room but brie larson is
2: yeah i find it weird yeah that's that's one of my main like what because even from a like academy perspective like they are quite keen on giving these very young actors yeah. nominations and awards, like Haley Steinfeld, Kevin Zane, Wallace. It's definitely something they like to do and have done and have done. So I, it, I, it just doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, for whatever reason.
0: Where any office boy or young mechanic can be a panic with just a good looking pan. And any shop girl can be a top girl if she pleases the tired
1: businessman. Hooray for Hollywood! You may
0: be homely in your neighborhood. So to close,
2: we're going to give some of our personal awards for the year. Uh, what are we calling them? The Serious lease? The Serious lease, yeah. <laughs> the Serious lease. So, Caroline, what is your first Serious and who will you be awarding it to?
1: We should say as well, we've just made up the categories, right? They're not real no, categories. No, they're great categories. They're very so, important
2: real categories. So the award for
1: teaching me a new thing about maps goes to... Oh, this
2: is a great award. Paper Towns. Oh, yes. That's <laughs> exactly the kind of award I want to see. What was the new thing it taught you about maps, Caroline?
1: Learning about copyright traps on maps where people who are making maps include made-up towns on them so that they can tell if someone else is stealing their map.
2: Excellent. Well, a really great tidbit from that film. Also isn't?
1: a really good film. I, yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It also made me think Florida is a place I might one day want to go, which is never something i thought before. Mm. But, um, but yeah, generally it was the map. Well, okay, you go.
2: My first award is... Best use of Rihanna in a motion picture. The nominations are every film that used Rihanna in (laughs) 2016. I don't know which ones they are. But for me, yeah. So this award goes to Girlhood, which was one of my best films of the year. Actually, this is a 2014 film, but it came out over here much later Mm -hmm. and on a very limited release. So... There was no way I could have seen it before this year. So in my mind, it's a this year film and includes an incredibly moving scene where the lead character and her three girlfriends, this kind of girl gang that she's made in Parisian suburbs, realise that it's one of their kind of like last happy nights together and they're all dancing in their like stolen outfits and they sing and dance to Diamonds Mm. by Rihanna and it's like super emotional very upsetting and barbara our colleague also had a similar experience watching this film so excellent use of rihanna in a motion picture what's your next one
1: so my next one is worst meryl streep
2: (laughs) in 2015 i already know what this is going
1: to and i say this with great love i love meryl oh
2: the dearest respect and admiration but with the the greatest
1: respect suffragette was a bad meryl bad
2: meryl bad meryl um
1: ott meryl ott meryl i generally loved suffragette um but i did not love the fact that randomly meryl streep was in it for like seven minutes being Emmeline pankhurst i really felt that detracted from otherwise what they were trying to do with the film which was focus on like one very specific group of working class women um and yeah also her accent was weird everything about it was odd so yeah
2: Yeah, okay, completely agree with you. Sticking on a theme of, like, coming-of-age movies for me, my next award is for Best Portrayal of Hysterical Teenagers in a Movie in 2015. The Falling, which was one of my favourite films this year and one that we've talked about quite a lot, but I liked it. I felt like it was reclaiming teenage hysteria Mm. from being sort of a vague slur to being an extremely empowering activity and yeah shout out to Maisie Williams and just the general brilliance of that film which i really enjoyed. Also great Maxine Peake in that film.
1: Peake, um, Peake. Peak. So i think the last one i have is slightly left field one and it's also a kind of nomination category of one so it's okay. a bit of a stitch up but best action film that i Caroline Crampton saw in 2015.
2: How um, many did you see Caroline?
1: One. <laughs> uh, i believe American Ultra
2: okay. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. Yeah, it was quite fun. Yeah, it was quite
1: fun, and it had, like, Jesse Eisenberg being weird in it, and I'm always up for that, so... Literally the only film with guns that I saw last year. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a very, very self-selecting viewer.
2: My award for most glamorous Christmas of 2015 goes to... Carol, yeah. which I just loved, and uh, yeah, the Picture House Central in London was oh, offering was so to wrap your presents for you while you went to see it, which I just loved. <laughs> just like fulfilled all my desires, and yeah, their Christmas with a beautiful tree and all the like beautifully wrapped presents and like the little red train set going through the mm. snow and like the shop, everything. It was just so beautiful to watch approaching Christmas, so I loved it. And then we we sh- we should mention our main
1: yeah the, so thing the, of the year, the the, the, the biggest. And most prestigious award, seriously. All the awards. Of the award of awards.
2: Yeah, so I think basically all the awards going go to Magic Mike XXL, which was definitely my best film of yeah, the year. Yeah,
1: definitely. So uh, yeah, we would like to give the seriously for Channing Tatum yeah. in a film to Channing Tatum <laughs> in Magic Mike XXL.
2: Channing Tatum wins all the awards anyway, but Magic Mike XXL I feel like wins the, the award for best Channing Tatum. Uh, The award for, like, Best
1: Cougar. Best Female
2: Gaze. Yeah, Best Female Gaze. The award for Best Jada Pinkett Smith. Mm -hmm. The award for, I don't know, Best Throwing of Chips and Water in a Garage Station in 2015. The award for Best Cinema Experience I Had All Year, which was the panel that I spoke at about Magic Mike XXL where everyone was, like, completely boozed and just, like, screaming at the rippling abs on the telly. Oh, it's just one of the happiest, like most joyful experiences in the cinema I've ever had. And I just, if I could, you know, give it my legs as an award, I would. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I think I think we should recommend any listeners who are now full up of Oscars chat, watch Magic Mike oh XL instead. You'll if feel better if you've watched it
2: once, twice, three times. Just give it a while. Yeah, <laughs> give it a while again. It. Put it on again, like. It's just the best thing that came out of the year by far.
1: Thanks for listening to Seriously the Pop Culture Podcast from the New Statesman.
2: You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, iTunes and Tumblr. All the links are at newstatesman.com/srsly.